Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Warning. This is a horror fiction podcast. Beware. It's intended for mature adults, not the faint of heart. Beware. Join us at your own risk. your eyes. Tales of horror to frighten and disturb. Join us as the sleepless hours take past. Brace yourself for the No Sleep Podcast. Extra Sleepless, Volume 1. Welcome to the No Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, David Cummings. During the break between seasons five and six, we'll be releasing two episodes featuring stories from the Season Pass 4 feed. Enjoy these stories and let them keep you sleepless until the start of season six. Our first tale comes to us from the pen of Ashley Franz Holzman. It tells the story of a man out for his regular jog in the forest, but on this particular run, he encounters something in the forest which will change his life forever, if he can even survive the encounter. This story is narrated by me and Jessica McAvoy, and it features the amazing voice talent of Jonathan Jones as the creature. Jonathan also co-produced this story, So put on your running shoes and see if you can make it to the stump. I never ran past the stump, never. The stump had been there for years at the edge of where I turned around on my runs. Right at that point where I knew I would have a hard time getting back without walking. Except for that day. Last spring, around noon on a Saturday. Gentle breeze, high 70s. The sun dipping behind the clouds every few minutes. Perfect weather. Something about the daylight had always made me feel insecure. It was the night we were always supposed to be wary of. 
the shadows and the silence. When the bugs would stop making noises, that's when you were supposed to worry. That's when the hairs were supposed to raise, when everything felt wrong. Not during the day, though. Not when everything was supposed to be safe. That was never how I worked, though. I was always wary of the daytime growing up. I never had nightmares at night. My nightmares were during nap times, during the day when everyone else thought the world was safe. I grew up as a cautious type of kid. I was afraid of a lot of things. Being alone used to matter so much more. I slept in my parents' bed until I was four or five, and even after that I felt uneasy sleeping alone. Most kids feel safe if they bundle up enough in their blankets, but I never felt safe. I always felt as if I were laying on an island surrounded by evil, and nothing I could do could protect me from that. Back in high school, running was easier. I could eat what I wanted and run wherever I felt like. My runtime really never got affected by those things. I was a quick kid, too. I was running low five-minute miles. One time, I even ran a 450 mile. Not really competition speeds for college, but pretty good for a kid who just enjoyed going to city runs on the weekends. I used to imagine myself as a gazelle running from a cheetah or some other large cat. The cats win sometimes, but the gazelle has form over power, grace over strength. When chased, the gazelle will take every step with the intent to survive, that need to live. That was the past. After all that time, running six-minute miles hurt. I became more of a seven-minute mile type, which was fine. I wasn't racing anymore, just doing it for fun. For me, running had always been a form of meditation. About a mile or so into a run, everything would loosen up and it would become easier to stride out. The stress on the body always felt good and pushed my mind to concentrate on the moment, to decompress, to reevaluate. On that Saturday, everything felt right. Everything was more than fine. It was the perfect day. I was approaching the stump and I felt amazing. The best I had felt on a run in years. <sighs> years. I approached the stump and I hurdled it like a track star. I didn't feel like I scraped anything. It was a clean jump. But I still heard a scratching sound. I didn't turn back, I was just in the zone. Birds and other animals in the woods were common on my runs. I ended up running another mile into the woods. I had never been that deep in. I was probably around five miles from the house when I saw a bit of smoke in the distance. I knew that there were other trails in the woods, but the trail I used was the nice one. 
the trail that the sun could touch almost all day. It was a cottage. That's where the smoke was coming from. The random cottage's chimney out deep in the woods. Totally not fit for anything to live in, but there it was. Something about the way the house sat on its foundation made it seem to be twisted, somehow abnormal. The windows were uncharacteristically high, almost beginning at chest level. I started to run in place, considering whether or not to keep moving forward or to turn back. The curtains in the window had some sort of floral pattern. I didn't want to trespass. I never really knew who the woods really belonged to out there. Suddenly, the curtain was thrown back and the figure behind the window was looking at me, barely peeking over the base of the windowsill. The eyes were wide. I turned and I ran toward home. It seemed so far. It took me a very long time to make it back to the woods I was familiar with. I just kept running, pumping my arms and moving my legs, breathing. Strong inhale, strong exhale. Strong inhale, strong exhale. Focus. Equal breathing. Equal breathing. That's when I saw the stump. Except it didn't look the same. Not how I was used to seeing it. Granted, I had never approached the stump from that side before, but I knew. I knew that there was something wrong. My chest tensed up just a little bit more. I slowed down to give some rest to my hips. There was some sort of lump on the tree stump that I had never seen. Some type of cancer. The closer I got, the less the lump looked like a part of the tree. It looked like some kind of matted hair, clumped and moist. I had slowed down to almost a walk. I was just a few strides away from the stump when the moist lump opened its eyes. It was some type of animal, covered in a dark brown fur that almost camouflaged with the stump's bark. It was only after the eyes opened that I realized both of the animal's long arms were draped over my side of the stump. The head was far behind the stump. All I could see were the eyes peeking over, like the animal was hiding from me. Alexander, Alexander the Stranger, the Runner, the Lone Ranger, don't look surprised, you don't remember me, oh, we used to be so close, you slept on top of the bed, and I slept below. I looked at the arms of the animal, covered in hair, powerful looking. I couldn't bring myself to speak at first. 
I hesitated. Are... are you the devil? Oh, Alex. The devil is just a story. I'm very real. I'm you. I'm not you. I'm something different. Something blue. Something better. The animal started to tap the log's bark with all of its fingers. Its way of speaking seemed to trail off on certain words in a weird, distracted tone. I need to go. I want to go home. I was looking at the hands of the animal, at the claws. It was tapping its fingers against the bark. I noticed my breathing wasn't rapid. I wasn't out of breath at all from the run. Instead, I was barely breathing at all. Like I kept forgetting to take another breath every few seconds. I turned my head to look back at the cottage quickly to see if anything was coming from that direction. Nothing was there. I quickly turned my head back forward to keep my eyes on the creature behind the stump. Now, Alex, don't you worry about Mother. You'll never get to meet her, Alex. That's what I'm here for. You shouldn't have looked. Didn't you learn to never peek under the bed, Alex? Triple X, not the sex, not the sex. You aren't going where you want to. This isn't the trail home. The trail of tears, the trail of fears. We're going to do something else. Up until that point, the eyes had been wandering, contemplating what the next words would be. The animal seemed to enjoy the rhymes... Every rhyme would strike some sort of emotional chord with my childhood. The shows I watched, the things I would say growing up. Then the animal's eyes locked right into mine. The things I'm going to do to you, Alex. Oh, you haven't lived until you've... Things I will do to your innards. The belly. Inside. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but... Oh, the things we are going to do. I heard it clack its teeth together a few times. I swallowed and reminded myself to breathe... I made myself say something. Please, don't, was all that came out. I couldn't see its mouth, but I could imagine its smile. It was in the eyes. Everything about the animal was inhuman, except for the eyes. Baby blues, they could have been my eyes. The eyes squinted a little in an expression mixed with intent. Are you going to pee yourself? 
Are you going to piss? Little Alex pissed the bed. Pissed the bed and slept in the shed. You can't hide from me, Alex. You can't run away. This is our moment together. Alex, are you going to pee-pee? Cry to mother. Oh, I used to lick it up every time. I would lick it all. I would suck that bed dry after a good soiling. What it must taste like after all these years. I've waited, Alex. I've waited to taste it from the source. Pure, unfiltered. I followed you for a very long time. Go ahead and do it for me, Alex. I just want to smell it. I heard it lick its lips and start clicking its teeth. I could hear them like pieces of metal clacking together. And then the animal slowly raised its head above the stump. There was no smile, just a wide mouth of teeth, row upon row into the blackness of its throat. As if the teeth would never end once something strayed past the animal's hairy lips. No! was all I could say. No. Oh, Alex, we all know no won't go. No, I'm going to step over this stump and you are going to let me do it. All the dreams are about to happen. Let me suck on it. Your hand, your foot, your leg, your flesh. Just a nibble. Just the tips. The animal began to laugh. Seeing the teeth, hearing the laughter, the depth of the animal's almost human voice, scratchy like the voice was being filtered through burning coals on a fire. My bladder let out everything. The moment that happened, the animal stopped laughing and threw its head back in the air to take in the smell. I could see its nostrils expand to an unreasonable size. Maybe it was fear. Maybe that was why. Once I realized it was going to keep its head back a moment, I shot into the edge of the woods to the right. That day was my best run in so long that I had to chance it. I had to try to escape, to run for my life. Miles. I still had miles until I would make it back home. And I wasn't on any trail. I was just running through the middle of the woods, hitting the dead pine needles with my feet. Needles that were never cleared by anyone. You could have buried anything in those woods. If someone disappeared out there, that would have been it. The animal realized a few seconds after I broke the tree line that I wasn't going to wait. I didn't hear it talk, but I did hear it start moving behind me. 
The movement was what kept me sprinting, kept me pushing myself. I heard the legs, there seemed to be so many of them, and the trees. The animal was so strong that every few breaths I was taking, I would hear a tree get splintered or another tree fall down. And it was gaining on me. Another tree fell. I could hear the animal breathing. couldn't turn around. I didn't want to. If it weren't for the terrain, I would have closed my eyes, hidden deep inside myself, and hoped to wake up alive. The breathing was so close, almost right next to my ears. I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see the moment happen. I wanted to try to fight until the very end. And that's when I found another trail. Out of nowhere, it was going in the same direction as the main trail I had always ran down. I didn't think of anything besides getting home and escaping. I opened up my stride and I did my best to breathe correctly. Pump my arms, perfect form, perfect form. Not slamming my feet, not arching my back too much. Staying forward, letting my core be involved. It was the most important run of my life. I was the gazelle. Breathe out. I had to be. Breathe in. I needed to be perfect. Breathe out. I needed to live. Breathe in. I knew I had a chance if I could sustain the pace, maintain, and not look back. Even on the trail, I could still hear the animal crashing through the woods behind me, as if the trail wasn't wide enough for whatever size the animal must have been. I didn't want to think about how massive it was, how easily the animal was going to tear me apart, how my skin was going to feel sliding off my bones. I tried to keep my mind on the run, on the breathing, on staying consistent, pushing off with each step, long strides. I could make it if I kept the form, kept the breathing, ignored the pain in my shins, in my thighs how my hamstrings were starting to pull with the strain I was putting myself under, forcing myself to open up my stride. I was past muscle failure when I ran past the stump. I wasn't sure how I was doing what I was doing, but I knew I wanted to live. Knew that if I kept that in mind, I could do it. I was so close... I saw the edge of the woods, and there was maybe a quarter of a mile before I was out. I wasn't sure how I had never seen the trail I was on. It appeared that the trail would connect with the main trail before the end. I was there. I was going to make it. 
The animal kept running after me. It must have had so many legs smashing through the bushes and tearing apart all of the trees. Ten feet away from the wood line, I took a step, but my foot didn't land right. The animal had caught me by grabbing a hold of my foot. I was pulled to the ground. My head hit something while I was being flipped upside down. The animal raised me up to its face and spoke. Alex, I love games. I told you that you couldn't run. Was that torture for you? I let you get this far. The animal's tongue came out of its mouth. Long and grotesque, the tongue slipped down my shorts to taste the urine. It was a violating sensation. Sandpaper. If I hadn't already done so, I would have urinated myself again. Salty. I was shaking. There's a certain type of anticipation that the body experiences when the mind knows everything is about to end. I could feel it in the back of my neck. A kind of tingle. Instead of forgetting to breathe, I couldn't get enough air. My lungs were a vacuum. I was upside down, but raised high enough to be eye-level with the animal. The creature was something old and eternal. The hair matted in odd places, patches of scales, sharp joints of a being that should have died when the planet was young. My heart ached. To be so close to home, but instead be looking at true evil, the monster, the devil, to see the matted hair and the black line over the blue eyes. Oh, Alex, sweetie, no tears. Now, now, do stop screaming. No one can hear you in this terrible dream. The smell was too complicated for human noses to understand. It was disgusting and as hot as a furnace. My skin felt tighter after each breath from the creature. And the animal was right. I was screaming. I didn't even realize it. My mind was in so many places. I couldn't think of anything to do. I was trapped, caught. Please! The only word I managed to get out. Don't mind if I do, boy. What happened next was so fast. I was instantly flipped right side up, and I watched as the animal opened its mouth wide. All those teeth seemed to be infinite, An impossibly deep throat. A part of my mind thought I was looking into hell itself. There was no fire, just the heat of it. 
there was only teeth. The animal's tongue slid out of the mouth and wrapped around my leg and drifted up. I tried to struggle away, but there was nowhere to go in that amount of time. I saw my leg slowly being pulled into the mouth. The end. I closed my eyes. My skin slid off of the bone like the icicle on a popsicle stick. I felt the tug, the pressure, and then I heard a pop and a feeling of release. At first, I couldn't tell if the fire that shot up my leg was the heat from the animal's mouth or the pain. It was searing. I couldn't help but look, see what had happened. I was bleeding everywhere, so much blood drenching the animal's face. I realized why the animal's fur was all matted. It had its eyes closed, enjoying the blood spraying all over it. Half of my leg was gone, disappeared in the animal's mouth. The pain was everywhere, and I was surprised that I had not immediately gone into shock. I knew that I needed to keep my head together. I needed to concentrate. Then I heard the crunching. The animal started to chew. It was eating my leg. It dropped me to the ground. It seemed to be caught up in the sensation, like it hadn't eaten in years. And maybe it hadn't. I didn't care. I needed to escape. I needed to get home. Home. I was almost in my backyard. I was ten feet away. Oh, there was so much blood, I knew I only had a few minutes, maybe seconds. I needed to get to my backyard. I needed to crawl. I rolled over to my stomach, and I moved every remaining limb as fast as I could. No! Stop! Stop! The animal's mouth was full. I had the notion that it didn't want to stop chewing. It paused, as if to decide whether it should just enjoy what it had, or to catch me. Maybe it paused intentionally. By the time the animal made the decision to lunge at me, I had rolled the rest of the way into my backyard. I had done it. I made it back. I rolled to my back. I knew I needed to stop the bleeding. Seconds mattered. I ripped off all of my clothes and tore them to tie a tourniquet. I pulled the knots tight and covered the stump that remained of my leg. My heart was still beating. I needed to hydrate. I needed to... I needed to get to a doctor. I laid on my back at the edge of my backyard, having saved myself from the animal that chased me through the woods. 
I passed out. I woke up an instant later. Maybe it was hours. I couldn't tell with the sun. I looked over. Maybe it had all just been a dream. A a nightmare and I had dehydrated on my run. It was a relieving feeling, but after a moment the clouds in my head started to clear. It wasn't a dream. At the edge of the woods, it was there. Peeking behind a tree, somehow hiding the true size of itself. The animal. It was dangling a shredded running shoe in one of its hands. My running shoe. I heard a slow crunching sound. A steady chewing. The animal was still chewing on my bones. It began to speak again, except its voice had changed to the voice of my mother. Alex. Alex. Wake up, sweetheart. It's time to go outside and play. Go off and play in the woods. Don't you want to come back, honey? Do come back. Maybe tomorrow, yes? Get your five miles in. Get your ten miles in. I'll see you then, dear. I will see you then. I never could figure out what made the animal stop. How it wasn't able to move past the wood line. Or even how I knew I would be safe if I made it back to my backyard. Was it really under my bed as a child? The cottage, mother, I didn't understand. I crawled back to my house. The bleeding had slowed, but the bandages were soaked through with my blood. I was really lightheaded. I thought I was going to pass out again when I had to push the sliding glass door open. I managed to make a phone call before passing out again. The doctors didn't know what to think. I told them it was a gator that got me. No one would have believed anything else. No one questioned me further with that information either. People rarely show up at an ER with a leg bitten off. No doctor would have the experience to really question my story anyways. I have never gone back in the woods. Never even thought about it. I could never go back. Sometimes, if I wake up before the sun rises, I'll be drinking my coffee, and right when the sun hits the tree line, I'll see it. The animal peeking out behind a tree. Never the same tree. What's left of my leg will always ache, and I'll feel the sensation of being lowered into the animal's mouth again. And the tip of my leg feels that fire. The tip of my stump. Once the twilight of morning is past, the animal will duck behind whatever it's hiding behind. 
and disappear. It never speaks. It never does anything else but look at me. I never see the animal's teeth, but I don't ever have to. Our final tale comes to us from author Victor King. We hear the audio from various 911 calls which took place one night in Texas. A group of people at a ranch encounter a bizarre attack, and local law enforcement have all they can handle trying to figure out who or what is attacking the ranch. Featuring a full cast with the voice talent of Jessica McAvoy, Rima Chatamysonic, Mike Delgadio, Alexis Bristow, Alex Beal, Kyle Akers, Tisha Boone, and Brian Manzi. We present for you the Wilson Ranch Incident. The incident at the Wilson family ranch has become controversial in the circles of cryptozoologists and conspiracy theorists. Some say the entire thing was a hoax invented by the local police department to stop the East Texas sheriffs from taking over. Others claim the 911 tapes are proof that mankind still has mysteries to solve in our own backyard. Whether a believer on one side or the other, the story has developed a cult following in several conspiracy circles. Now, presented for your decision-making, the 911 recordings of the Wilson Ranch Incident. Nine one one, what's your emergency? Um, hi. We have this guy who's been, like, walking around the house for a while now, and we're getting kind of nervous. Okay, ma'am. Are your doors and windows locked? Yeah. Yeah, we did that first. We're just kind of freaked out right now. I'm at my boyfriend's house. It's him and his sister here, and this guy's just walking around. Jesus, he's still fucking out there. Can you see him? Yeah, he's just standing right there looking at us. Ma'am, can you describe this person? Um, tall. Like, really big. He's over six foot. Really dark guy. The man is African American? No, he's like, really dark. Like, he's wearing all black. We have floodlights on, and he's right at the edge of the light, just standing there. Has he moved? No, he's just standing right there. Has the man made any kind of threatening advances? He was circling the house earlier. Then he just went to the front and stayed still. Now he's just there facing the house. I think he's facing the house. 
Can't really see much. Okay, ma'am. I'm sending an officer right now. Make sure everyone stays calm and keep your windows and doors locked. Holy shit! What? He just ran like fucking jetted. Can you still see him? Hey, Mark, can you still see him? No, he, he just disappeared. He says he can't see the guy. Okay. Officer Jefferson, we have a code 54 at... Please respond. Uh, 10-4 dispatch. I'm, uh, about five miles out. Fuck! What? He just ran past the window! Shit. Mark, get the Mossberg. Ma'am? My boyfriend's on his way to grab the shotgun. Ma'am, the officer is on the way. If this guy breaks in... Ma'am, if your life or the lives of your friends are threatened, take whatever steps needed to defend yourself. Mark! Mark? I got it. Ma'am, the officer is a few miles away. Okay, uh, Mark, you got the... Okay, uh, sorry. My boyfriend has a shotgun. It's a 12-gauge, and I have a 38... Okay, make sure you stay calm. Do not fire on the individual unless need be. The officer is five miles out, and if you want, I can ask him to come in with the lights and sirens. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. The driveway is clear. Stacy, take the phone. Take the phone. Ma'am? Stacy, stay. Just take the phone and hide somewhere. I don't care. Just keep taking keep talking to the operator. Go, go. Hello? Hello? Is this the sister? Y yeah, yeah. My name is Stacy Wilson. That thing was on our back porch and Mark just shot him. Stacy? Stacy? Jesus! Shoot it! Shoot it! Run! Ma'am? Ma'am? Officer Jefferson, code one. I repeat, code one. Ten four. Residents are Mark and Stacy Wilson. There is also an unidentified female who says she's the girlfriend. Understood. Pulling up to the house now. This is Officer Frank Jefferson responding to the Code 54 at the Wilson property. Please respond. We lost contact with the original caller a few minutes ago. It sounded like they were attacked. 10-4. Uh, please be advised, there's no one present at the scene. We're going to go and try and make contact. Police! Dispatch, I'm looking in and it looks like the back glass door has been broken. Can't see much else. I'm gonna go in into the house. Be advised, the occupants were armed. Understood. Police! I'm coming in! Don't shoot! 
Hello? Mr. Wilson? Is there anyone here? Hello? Jesus, what? Oh, dear God. Oh, my Jesus. Fuck. Uh, we have a body, a uh, male, late 20s. He, uh... Christ, badly mutilated. Our arms have been rem removed. He's been, uh, he's been toward to shreds, dispatch. Requesting backup, EMT, and put in a call to the sheriff's office. We're gonna need detectives on this one. Okay. Officer Davis, please respond. Dispatch, go ahead. Backup requested at code 54, now a code 48. Proceed with caution, officer. Suspect may still be on the scene. 10-4, dispatch. Officer Jefferson, backup is on the way. I've never seen anything like it, dispatch. It's just... It's goddamn horrifying. Police! Freeze! Oh, thank God. We have to get out of here. Stacy Wilson? Mary, I called you guys. We have to get Stacy and go. We have to go right now. Hold on, ma'am. Dispatch 1025, original caller. Please advise. Escort civilians to safety and await backup. 10-4. Mary? Mary, I need you to come with me. We have to find Stacy first. We will. We have backup on the... Suspect is still here! Officer, we need you to... Mary! Dispatch! I need backup! I fucking need backup right now, damn it! Jesus. All units converge on... We are 63. I repeat, 63. Officer in distress. Suspect is still on site and suspected armed. 10-0. All available units. 10-4. Dispatch, I'm en route. ETA eight minutes. Understood. Dispatch, I am en route to the address, and there is a young Caucasian female running down the road who appears to be in distress. 10-4, Officer Davis. Please try to ascertain the identity of the female. Stacy Wilson. He killed Mark. It's still there with Mary. You you have to do something. Miss, are you Stacy Wilson? Yes, yes, yes. Now you have to help them. Miss Wilson, my name is Officer Davis. I'm with the police department. I'm gonna get you some help. 
No, no, no! We have to go back to the ranch! Ma'am, I need you to come with me. Other officers are on their way to the farmhouse. Our number one priority is getting you to safety. No, we have to go back! Dispatch, 1025 Stacy Wilson. Requesting medical personnel to meet me five miles down for assistance. 10-4, medical personnel en route. ETA, six minutes. Stacy, I need you to get in the car. An ambulance is on its way. You can't leave me alone when that thing is out there. I'm not going anywhere, Stacy. I'm going to wait right here with you until the ambulance shows up. Dispatch, what's the ETA on backup? ETA, three minutes. Officer Connors and Cobry are en route. 10-4. Miss Wilson is saying the thing is still there. You may want to get eyes in the sky in case the suspect decides to run. Putting a call into the sheriff's office now. Sheriff's Department, this is Sheriff Tyler Reeve. How may I help you? Sheriff, this is Jessica Reynolds over at the dispatch center. Confirmation number. Authority number. We have a situation at the Wilson property. Address and coordinates. You have your helicopter airborne? Yes, we do. Currently working observation. We have a code 63 with the suspect as a possible flight risk. Can you redirect the helicopter over to the Wilson property? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll patch you through, dispatch. Thank you, Sheriff. Also, any kind of backup would be greatly appreciated. Will do. Thank you. Officer Davis, we have a helicopter inbound. Please stand by. 10-4. Miss Wilson, an ambulance is on its way. Are you hurt in any way? That thing ripped my fucking brother apart. The hell you mean? Stacy, are you hurt? I cut my feet on some glass when I ran out of there. Okay. With your consent, I'd like to administer first aid. Is that okay with you? <sighs> yeah. Okay then, Stacy. Stacy, what can you tell me about the suspect that attacked you guys? It was fucking huge. It had to bend down to get into the house. Mark shot it with the shotgun and it did nothing. 12 gauge, point blank, and he might as well have had a BB gun. Okay, okay, Stacy. Everything is gonna be alright. Dispatch. Please advise the backup that Mr. Wilson fired at the suspect, and apparently it did nothing. Suspect may have body armor and or be on some kind of amphetamine. We'll advise. It wasn't a suspect. It was a thing. Stacy, you just experienced a traumatic event. It's understandable. Suspects aren't covered in scales. What was that? Black scales, like a snake, but it was a guy. Dispatch, 
the witness is describing the suspect as scaly looking. Oh. 10-4. No matter what it is, we have two officers on their way. Everything's gonna be okay, Stacy. This is Sheriff Jennifer Dent. I'm coming in fast and will be within view of the Wilson property in nine minutes. Backup sheriffs are 20 minutes away. 10-4. Arriving on the scene, please advise. Witness is with Officer Davis. Said the suspect is very tall and more than likely wearing some kind of body armor. Eye in the sky will be within sight in nine minutes. Suspect has also been described as looking like they were covered in dark metal plates. 10-4, going for backup weapon. 10-4, Officer Cobry, also be advised. Roger. Pulling in now and going for the backup. 10-4. Police! Jesus Christ! Dispatch! Code... Code 48. It's, uh... It's Frank. Along with the mid-twenties Caucasian female and male. They've all been torn apart. Fucking Christ. Dispatch, the ambulance is pulling in now. Officer Davis, get Miss Wilson into the ambulance and provide escort to the nearest hospital. Dispatch, the way Miss Wilson is describing the suspect, it might be better if I head to the ranch. Negative, Officer Davis. Priority one is to get civilians to safety. Understood, dispatch. Come on, Stacy. We gotta go. You're coming to the hospital with me? Yes, I am. There are already two officers on the scene. Did they find Mary? Um, short, brown hair, ears pierced, really pretty? I'll ask. Officers Connors and Cobry, is there a female on the scene? Goes by Mary. Short brown hair, pierced ears? I'm sorry, officer, but that sounds like our Caucasian female. Ten four. What the hell was that? Dispatch, we have movement. Something's out here. Dispatch, I'm hearing gunfire. Please advise. Over. Officer Davis, after Miss Wilson is in the... Send backup! Now! We 
are code 63. Officers in need of assistance. I'm on my way. Medic, get her out of here. Officer Davis, your priority is the civilian. Negative dispatch. It's moving too fast. I can't get a beat on it. How to get behind us? Six. I'm counting at least six. Holy shit! Kevin! Dispatch! We have large... Uh, somethings! Not human! Over seven feet! At, at least six of them! Officer Connors is... Sheriff Dent, please tell me you have visual on the suspects. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, I see him. Jesus Christ. Dispatch, these have to be some kind of animals. Or in... in pursuit. Wounded suspect is stopped approximately three miles west of the Wilson property. He seems to be... Do you have eyes on the suspects? Negative. Turning on the thermal camera. Suspects are... Suspects are gone, dispatch. Say again? Shit! 
I just had a rock crack the glass in my cockpit. I'm sorry, dispatch. I've got to get out of here. Ten four, Sheriff. Pull back. I'm sorry, dispatch. Just get to safety, Sheriff. Ten four. I'm going on break. The 911 calls were never released to the public for two different reasons. To those who believe them to be hoaxes, the tapes are nothing more than fear-mongering. To the people who believe them to be genuine, they feature the violent deaths of five people. The 911 tapes were released anonymously after the local PD was dissolved and integrated into the Sheriff's Department. After their release, newly minted Sheriff's Department Commander Reeve released a statement calling them a, quote, sick joke, end quote. The deaths were ruled the result of an animal attack, and no further investigation was launched into the incident. Officer Cobry put in his two weeks' notice shortly after it was announced the Sheriff's Department was taking over the county. I know what I saw, and it wasn't some big teenagers on bath salts. After recovering from a concussion and the several scrapes, gashes, and broken bones that he received after going into the windshield of his police cruiser, Officer Cobry joined a local police department in upstate New York where he had a family. When asked about the incident, he is very open and honest. If it didn't happen, then why did three of my closest friends get ripped apart? Why were the bodies there? You think a mini tornado came down or something? Coyotes suddenly grew six feet taller? Three of my closest friends are dead, and I will not soil their memory by spouting some toe-the-line crap from Hillbilly in charge. When asked why he believes the transcript was so openly mocked by the authorities, he responded sarcastically. Hey, come to East Texas. Get ripped apart by a seven-foot thing. Maybe his buddies will even join. See? Don't mess with Texas has a much nicer ring as far as tourism slogans go. Officer Cobry's testimony has also been mocked by several members of the local sheriff's department. Since his transfer to upstate New York, he has had several reprimands written against him due to drinking on the job. He was eventually forced to do a stint in rehab before finally being assigned to desk duty. Stacy Wilson responds to questions in a much different way. After the incident, she voluntarily entered a mental institution following a complete mental breakdown. 
She was arrested on charges of mayhem, vandalism, and destruction of property after destroying a bookstore. Witnesses said she was calmly browsing when she began hyperventilating. Then she jumped up and began tearing apart several different books while screaming obscenities. She still has yet to comment on what made her snap. After being released from the institution, she became a born-again Christian. She left East Texas and moved to Utah where she now lives and works various odd jobs, never holding down the same job for more than a few months. When asked for a comment on what happened, she simply said, That was the devil and his minions. They are here for the end times. Now, please don't call me again. Sheriff Dent, the helicopter pilot, was terminated after the incident. She claimed until the day she was let go that she had no choice but to retreat since she was flying blind and under attack by an unknown enemy. The sheriff's department would not comment on what led to her termination, supposedly out of fear it would give the tapes credibility, only to state that she, quote, did not behave in a way expected of a Texas sheriff, end quote. Since her termination, former Sheriff Dent went off the grid. The next two years of her life are still a mystery. She only popped up again when she was found dead in a trailer in southeastern Oklahoma. Although many claim murder, an autopsy later revealed she died after untreated injuries with several cuts on her arms and legs becoming infected. How or why she got the cuts is still debated. The unsung hero of the incident was the phone operator, Jessica Reynolds. After the incident, she worked at the dispatch center for another year. Sheriff Reeve even gave her an Employee of the Month award for outstanding professionalism and never missing a shift. Her co-workers and friends said she became more and more distant as time went on. When asked about what happened that night, she would become quiet or change the subject. In the later months, she would simply leave the room or look at the floor, sitting speechless until she was left alone. Nine months after the incident, a memorial for the fallen officers was built outside the sheriff's office. For the next few days, Jessica would drive to the building during her lunch break and eat at the base of the statue. Then, on a Thursday afternoon, a year after the incident took place, she took a half day off. She drove home, sat out on the balcony of her apartment, and committed suicide with a single gunshot wound to the head. She left no note other than a text message to Officer Cobry. Quote, I'm sorry, Thomas. Jess. End quote. She was 25 years old. These tapes are still up for debate as to whether or not they are real. Many believe they were simply the last-ditch effort of keeping local police local. Conspiracy theorist going by the name NWO Fallout, a major proponent of the tapes are real theory, agreed to make a statement as long as his username was used. What's really terrifying about the whole thing isn't just that there's more than one of these creatures, or even the creatures themselves. It's how they acted. They stayed outside the light. They attacked one at a time, only at opportune moments. They successfully evaded capture. 
This wasn't a mindless animal attack. The creatures were gauging the police reaction. They were probing for weaknesses. Debate still rages as to a definite description of the creatures. All that is known is the statements made after the incident by the surviving witnesses. Over seven feet tall, dark, scaly skin, bipedal, bone-white claws that were between two and four inches long, and immense strength. With the report of scales and the failure to see the creatures on thermal imaging, the widely supported theory is they are reptilian. Whether or not the creatures exist is still up for debate. The only known evidence for them other than the tapes are the occasional body found in a similar state as the ones described at the Wilson Ranch. The final word goes to Officer Cobry. There were six of them that we know of. They took out a helicopter, five people, of which four were armed, and still got away. If there's more of them somewhere out there, I think us, like us as a species, are fucked. We just got knocked down a notch in the food chain. Stay the hell out of East Texas, and hopefully they'll let be. Now, if you'll excuse me, I just got a call I gotta respond to. Thank you for joining us at the No Sleep Podcast. Please visit thenosleeppodcast.com to learn more about the show and how you can sign up for Season Pass 6. On behalf of everyone at the No Sleep Podcast, we thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us on September 6th for the start of Season 6. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.